Hello, and welcome to Firmly Grasp It, a podcast about sports and all it's being. I am your host, Evan Greenberg. We are continuing, if you listen to our past episode, which I hope you did, we discussed our AFC offseason winner, or we discussed the losers. So on this episode, we have our same crew back. So we have Sammy Alshawalpay, the King of Jordan. How's it going? And we have John Rivera, our my striker's rival and the squad of Manavoniapa. Hey, how's it going, everyone? We have did our losers. We're moving on to our winners here. We're just going to move on quickly. I want to give my number three first, just because it might create a little bit of controversy. And considering where we one of John one of John's losers is one of my winners, I thought that'd be a fun way to start. Let's hear it. So my number three is the Kansas City Chiefs, because I'll give a couple of my positive. Sammy, this is a fun nugget. I actually used one of Sammy's nuggets from our AFC West <laughs> preview episode that they kept twenty of their twenty-two starters. They lost Emmanuel Ogba. They lost Kendall Fuller. The rest of the team they kept. I think that's great. If you're a Super Bowl champion, you're able to keep all your top players. You're in good position. They restructured Sammy Watkins' contract to make it more. One, it kills them less in the long term. It's a, they can get out after, I believe, this next year. And it's less of a cap hit. They didn't really overpay anybody. Like, their cap hit look, although they don't have much on the cap, no one's crazily overpaid. They're going to have to pay Mahomes, but they're going to lose contracts like Watkins. Tyreek Hill's their only other wide receiver who's really making any money. The rest of their guys are on rookie contracts which is nice. And then Chris Jones, he's on the franchise tag. They're going to try to restructure him. Ideally, you're going to get him for less, but if he's asking for too much, you can just kind of, you'll let him go next year, but at least you get him on that one-year deal this year. I thought they added a couple nice, between free agency when they signed Mike Remmers, and then in the draft, they drafted Lucas Niang out of TCU. I thought they did nice adding a couple pieces to their offensive line depth because they were extremely healthy on the line this past year, and that's likely they'll have an injury or two. And just having Yang, who can play really right guard or right tackle, and Remmers, who can play either guard spot, I thought was nice value. And then one of their biggest needs that we talked about was linebacker, and they addressed that with the second round with Willie Gay Jr., who we both liked a lot as a middle linebacker. I thought that was a nice pick for them. My couple of negatives was that they did not replace Kendall Fuller at cornerback, so they are or that is still a huge need for them. And their offensive line, the interior, they they added Remmers. They still need a left guard, though, probably. They're still not great there, although they did make some moves. And I guess if they move Remmers to left guard and Yang plays right guard, then I guess you might be okay. I would be – but the, at that point, you're putting both of them out of position. I like the depth. I think they could add a little more on the interior. The, on their tackle position, they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I like the way the Chiefs addressed their offseason, especially like how we mentioned, they were able to return 20 for 22. They were in a very good position um, to keep going in the next few years, being able to just plug in here and there. While, yeah, they didn't exactly completely address Kendall Fuller, they still did complete, they did, they still did draft a couple picks. Um, Jerry Sneed, who, I mean, wasn't one of our highest rated cornerbacks, but. Still a decent pick at that time when they had him. I love Clyde Edwards Elaire, mostly because I feel like But they took a running back in the they took a, they took a running back in the first round. I because the truth of the matter is it's not even that the thirty second overall pick is not a crazy number, and then this gives you flexibility to get rid of Damian Williams after this year, so at least you expect kind of next year Edwards Hilaire will be the number one back. But then you're stuck with either you pick up his fifth year option, which is a clear overpay at that point. Or you don't sign him again, and then he's a four-year, which is the same as a second-round guy or a third-round guy. 
or you have to extend him. And then at that point, you don't want to extend a running back. So I thought if they just not, if they try to trade back at like 34, 33, even if it was just a second round pick, his running back is much better than a first round pick. Well, I viewed it more as like a luxury type pick for the Chiefs, as you know, we've mentioned that Edwards Elair, he, when we were giving our running back rankings, would discussing between Dobbins, Taylor, and um, um, Swift. Swift. Uh, I mentioned that Edwards Elair, while he doesn't excel at one thing, compared one factor compared to the others, such as speed or running, particularly. He is a good overall running back and really adds that shifty level of intensity that perfectly matches their offense that they have in Kansas City. In fact, I think this might have been the best position that if Edwards Elaire was going to be selected by a team, I think the Chiefs would have used him the best. Probably. I don't necessarily disagree. I just think, like I said, I think the, third, the first round pick is just not good on a running back. If you take him, like I said, the 33rd pick, the next first pick in the second round, then I think it's a great pick. I, that's why I didn't consider it a plus or a minus. I said it's a good pick for the future. I just think a few years down the line, you're over, you're either overpaying him or you're letting him go a year early on a first-year contract, which negates the point of taking him in the first round. John, I'm going to give you one minute to argue with or try to refute <laughs> since I know you had them as your bottom three. So you got 60 seconds. Yeah. Um, I think... Um, Edward Dillard would have been better on the Bucks with Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady loves scatbacks. I think that's what Edward Dillard projects as, almost like a James White. Uh, not really good in between the tackles, um, at least in the NFL level. Um, more of a pass catcher. I do think the Chiefs are, are a fantastic fit, but um, to me, it, it's just I think this is the first year where um, the saying defense which often sells tickets and defense with championships um, has come true, uh, ha- has not come true, excuse me. Uh, the, the Chiefs just blew everyone out of the water. Um, probably what they're going to do next year as well uh, when the season starts up. I, I just think that their, their defense um, is just isn't strong enough, um, in my opinion. Yes, they, they did retain key players, uh, like you guys mentioned, 20 out of 22. Um, but um, I, I just think that they didn't do enough on defense um, to, to like, really cement themselves. Yeah, that's just my, my big thing. I, 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 found, I found trouble kind of finding other losers in my – and I think that just – they didn't do enough on defense is my big pain point with the Chiefs this offseason. Fair enough. I, I, like I said, I think they do have some defensive needs for sure. I thought linebacker, at least they addressed. I think their defensive line is fine. Secondary is just certainly a big weakness. But having one weakness out of your entire team, I think you're in decent shape. All right, John, who's your number three? At three, my third winner, um, I would go uh, with the Browns um, as my number three okay. winner. I like uh, that. They they have $39 million in cap space. Um, which is the most in the NFL right now. I see the 38 to 39 uh, um, in terms of cap space. I do like their draft um, as well. Um, going um, with, I think they got a steal at Jed- Jedrick Willis at number 10, I believe, the tackle from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Grant Delpit, the safety, round two. 
And then uh, I, I think, and, and you mentioned him as well, Harrison Bryant, um, in the previous episode, um, in terms of the Patriots not picking the tight ends that, that you wanted um, or that you thought would fit their scheme better. I think you mentioned Harrison Bryant as one of them. Um, they got him. And I, I think Donovan's Peoples Jones, um, although he's uh, like a freakish athlete, uh, I, I do think sitting behind OBJ and Jarvis Landry, who are re- like very well-defined receivers in terms of just um, kind of releasing off the ball um, and running really precise routes, I think would be able to mentor him a little bit um, with that. So I do like their draft. Their future outlook with cap space is looking enticing with $39 million. Um, and they shored up the left side um, to protect uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, they got – and I got, they, they improved the defense with Grant Delpit. So that's why I have them as my number three, um, kind of hitting all my three criteria um, for me at least. And I think that's why I have them at number three as my winner. Yeah, I like them. I have them. I had them as a winner. I just didn't have them as top three because I felt they did. They definitely addressed some of their big needs in free agency, adding Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin being the main two. I thought they paid a little bit too much for both of them, especially Hooper. Conklin, I think, is okay because they have a solid right tackle. You're replacing. You're just you're, but they didn't fit. They didn't address linebacker really, which I think hurt them. Joe Sherbert. I like Joe Sherbert a lot. They lost him. I think, like I said, I think they were a winner. I, they probably were my four or five. What, if we had maybe added, made this to five winners, mm-hmm. they probably would have made it for me. Three, I thought they were just, just short of that. I, I like their draft. I think they did well overall. I think they I, – I think I mentioned this before the draft, that I thought they could be a bounce-back kind of sleeper candidate because last year mm-hmm. they were the hype team. They disappointed. I think this year they made a lot of nice moves. Also getting the new coach and Stefanski, that they could be in better position and be a post-hype sleeper. So I, do, I don't disagree. I like the Browns. Sammy, who's your number three, though? My number three, depending, I don't know if you guys had him on your, anywhere in your top three, but I had the Denver Broncos as my number three. Nope. They were a loser yeah. for me, actually. Really? Yeah. Not, obviously not top three loser, but I had them in the losers. So what I how I viewed them was that I saw that they lost a couple players in Chris Harris and Connor McGovern. But I felt that they made some great acquisitions in in replace of that. They were able to tag Justin Simmons, and they were able to lock him up long-term, which was probably their biggest priority. And um, before free agency, they traded traded a fourth-round pick for A.J. Bouye, who I really like, coming from Jacksonville. And they also got a pretty good deal by trading a seventh-round pick for Jarrell Casey, a solid interior defensive lineman who was pretty highly ranked in his position the last few years. And I thought that they got a really good deal for Graham Glasgow, who could really play at any position in terms of either left guard or right guard. The only reason why I didn't have him much higher was, like, I like Melvin Gordon, but I didn't think he was worth that much money they paid him. Especially when I also really like Philip Lindsay on the Broncos. And then when you look at the draft, I was a big fan of their draft. They drafted solid players pretty much all around their offense. They addressed Judy. They had uh, 
KJ Hamler, two, two of our favorite receivers that we mentioned in previous episodes. Great weapons for Locke to work with. They drafted Cushenberry as we were considering as top two, possibly top three guards. Top two, maybe even the best guard in the entire draft. And I really liked um, their cornerback that they drafted, OJ Mudia. If, I'm not sure if I botched his name. And then we also mentioned that they drafted the Nitain Muti in the seventh round. Like he fell down very far. And the fact that they were able to pick him up when we were considering him very highly and they added that depth on their offensive line, their, their entire draft was just in making sure that Drew Locke would be comfortable and not be concerned, not having any problems especially when they also drafted the tight end from Missouri, who I thought was a top five tight end. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, now that I, you're talking and me looking over it, um, I think I'm moving them to a winner. I'm not my top three winners, but I think you've convinced me enough to move them into my overall winners because I think they did do a really good job in the draft. I think, I think the couple of their bad moves, you mentioned Melvin Gordon. I do not love that pick at all. I thought that or that signing, I just didn't make sense. I think you have a better. I think Phil Lindsay's arguably a better running back, and you're basically paying him nothing. Chris Harris, I thought they could have re-signed. He only signed. He had a modest deal with the Chargers. They probably could have been. They should have been able to match that. They paid a lot for Graham Glasgow, which I didn't. I I think getting addressing him was good. Derek Wolf also just got one year, three million dollar contract. So the guys they lost, I just thought they could have probably done a better job of recouping. And then overpaying for a couple guys, so their free agency was okay. They made a couple nice trades that you mentioned, and then their draft was certainly a plus. So I'm, I'll move them in my winners. I think that's fair. I'll, I'll move them there. Gotta trust Elway and Fangio. I, I mean, we Elway is just are debatable. Fangio, yeah, yeah? okay. <laughs> All leave. right, Sammy, let's go. Let me. We'll let you go back to back. Who's your number two? My number two were the Buffalo Bills. Wait, John, did we go to your number two? No. Or number three? Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I started off with the Browns. <laughs> your number? Browns were number three. Okay, yeah, you did, right? Yeah, you talked about the Browns. Good. Okay, just making sure. All right, Sammy, number two. We have the same number two, but just say it again. Buffalo Bills. Nobody rounds the wagon better than the Buffalo Bills, something Nobody like that. Nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo circles Bills. Circles the wagon. Circles the wagon. <laughs> In my opinion, this is what I... Their best move was by far trading for Diggs. Mm-hmm. And by adding Diggs to their receiving core of with John Brown and Cole Beasley, you could make an argument that they might have maybe one of the best receiving cores in the AFC. Just the AFC. I'm not disagreeing with and you, Colin. Their biggest flaw when it came to the receivers that... Josh Allen had to throw to was winning in contested situations. And that's where Diggs just comes right in and fits perfectly. And I just thought that was a complete home run. I know they, you know, compared to the Hopkins trade of giving up very little for Hopkins, but what the bills gave up for the Vikings, I thought was manageable. And then when you look at the other players, they, Signed Mario Addison for signed for three years. Added signed Vernon Butler, Quinton Jefferson, Spain, AJ Klein. All these players, they're just they had a good offseason. There's 
not a lot of knees that the Bills had to begin with. We mentioned that the Bills probably were one of the more stable teams in the AFC in our um, draft predictions. And I also, the, jo- the one interesting one that really stood out to me was Josh Norman, mm-hmm. where he had maybe one of the worst seasons of his career. Getting him at that price where they paid one year, six million. To pair him up with Tredavious White, mm-hmm. I think is a perf Tredavious White is by far the perfect cover for anything Josh Norman does. Probably I would say this is a probably a prove it deal for Norman to get paid again somewhere else. Yeah. And then if you want to address their draft, I think they had maybe one of my favorite drafts, barring one pick. Which I actually like that pick anyway. I think you know that pick. I had a, I had that pick as a plus. Well, before we get to him, they drafted Apensa, who we yep. both have raved very highly so many times. In pretty much every single episode, we rated Apensa as one of our top two edge rushers. Yeah. He was, I think, yeah, I think he was our pretty much consensus number two edge rusher. And then I like Zach in the Moss. Round. I at, guess we should, you gotta mention, yeah. like, he was a, we, got, <laughs> we predicted going probably maybe yeah. late teens, high 20s, and they got him in the 40 second round. 42nd overall pick so they that was i thought that was great value for them and then he replaced two one of their biggest free agent losses which was shaq lawson they immediately found a high value replacement which i liked a lot finish off sammy um i liked their next pick their running back zach moss i think he's a good pick complimentary a pick with to support david's devin singletary in the backfield and um they drafted davis gabriel davis who him with Diggs really will help stretch out the field as much as possible. They're both out there that you can just, they both work on the outsides, whereas you have Beasley and John Brown inside interior more so. The weird one for me, which you're going to say it was a positive. I'm just never, a, I'm just not a fan. I don't know if I'm just a hater or if I just don't like him. He never stood out to me in college. He had so much talent to work with, and he never stood out. We're arguing about Jake Fromm, by the way, for those of you who don't know. They took Jake Fromm out of Georgia with their fifth-round pick. And, like, we, I, 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 te- I remember I texted you saying that is such a weird pick for the Bills because unless you're hoping – not hoping, but unless you're predicting Josh Allen to get injured at some point this season, there's no need for, for Fromm. Yeah, all right. John, do you have the Bills in your top two? Uh, I I don't. Okay, so uh, I but I, but, I do kind of want to add. All right, I want to. I got a quick po- couple points because I agree with just about everything Sammy said, and then I'll let you add. I agree. So Stephon Diggs, great pick, great move, getting a top number, legit number one receiver. I like that. I mentioned the you mentioned two good AJ Klein. They got a nice two year deal. Josh Norman on a one year deal as your second cornerback. Like those both nice contracts. I thought replacing Jack Lawson with a Pensa, as you mentioned. Good move. I thought Fromm is a nice backup for Allen because he's such an antithesis where Josh Allen just loves to sling it deep. He has accuracy issues. He's definitely inconsistent there and is turnover prone. Where Fromm doesn't have the arm strength necessarily, he's a smart quarterback who's going to limit his turnovers, and he's going to find those Beasley's and John Browns in the slot. And if although they're pretty much the opposite, if either Allen regresses or he gets hurt, I think Fromm, he's also a very smart player smart quarterback, so I like him as a backup. And he was a fifth-round pick. It's not like Jalen Hurts that you took in the second round or you reached for him in the second or third round. Fifth-round pick, I think the value is fine. 
I wasn't mine there. My couple deterrents were that they didn't add any help on the offensive line where they're definitely older and they could have used some help there. And the fact that they traded away their first round pick, but then they didn't try to recoup any sort of draft capital. They took their own second, third, fourth, and fifth round picks. I would have liked them to try to do some maneuvering and either help themselves in this year's draft or maybe next year's. But overall, I thought they did a really good job in this draft. Yeah, I was happy with the Bills. I I think they had overall probably one of my favorite drafts coming out from the AFC, as well as the free agent moves that they made were... They they killed it this offseason. They did a really good job. They're I would say they're by far the favorite in the AFC East. John, what's your point? What would you want to add? No, yeah, it, it was just on, on Jake Fromm. I, I think just considering just the way Josh Allen plays, he's a slinger, but he also runs a lot. Um, he's had seventeen rushing t- seventeen rushing touchdowns uh, the past two years. You know, he he takes he takes hits. Um, you know, and those hits just wear wear on the body. And I think Jake from at, especially at round five, when he's projected to go third, maybe fourth round in the fifth round, I think it's great value. And aside from the value, uh, you can never have, it's good to have a great backup in the NFL. You don't want to be kind of where the Steelers were last year, where they were just churning through quarterbacks, um, just weren't getting results. I think it, if you have a, a nice, stable backup quarterback, that, that's good for your team. And I think that's what Fromm is. And especially in the fifth round, I think that's great value for him. Um, and being able to uh, just be stable behind Josh Allen, I think is something that is just a great pick, honestly. I, I think I think I disagree that it was a bad pick. <laughs> I think, Thank you for backing me up there. I appreciate it. Yeah. Nah, man, there's a reason he fell so far. No, no, you're right. He's a game manager. It's good as a backup quarterback and a fifth round pick. Like I, yeah, I think the value is fine. All right, John, who is your number two guy or number two team? I, I have the San Diego Chargers um, as my winner number two. Yeah, Uh, San Diego. (laughs) San Diego Uh, Super Chargers. Uh, (laughs) The Los Angeles Chargers. Excuse me. Um, I have them as my. Uh, my number two winner. Wow. Could we both have um, them as losers? Sammy had them as a top three loser, and I had them on my loser list. So tell us why really? they're num- why, why are they your number two winner? So because, like, this is kind of going based off of my criteria that I listed in the previous episode. Free agency, draft, and future outlook. And like in the two – like when I say future outlook, I'm saying two to three years it is, is how I'm basing future outlook off of. Future Outlook, I'm going to hit that point first. Uh, they have $22 million in cap space right now, which is, I believe, seventh or sixth in the NFL right now currently at $22 mil. So they do have uh, the necessary money to go out um, and kind of fill any extra needs, but I, I, I do, which I don't think they, they have at, at this point right now. Um, they, yes, they lost uh, Melvin Gordon, but they... In terms of the draft, they fixed that with Joshua Joshua Kelly from UCLA. My next big thing was free agency. Like they they shored up the right side with Brian Balaga, ten mil a year, at for three years. I I think it is great value for him. Yes, they lost Philip Rivers, but he's thirty eight. He's thirty eight. Really, 
does a lot of mistakes with the football in terms of turnovers and picks. Um, and Tyrod Taylor, yes, he's he's a safe quarterback. He doesn't take those chances, um, which I think could help out their offense uh, more than than it negates it. Him being a safe quarterback. They also brought in Linville Joseph. They brought in Chris Harris. So they shored up, not even shored up, but they had they already had a very fast and aggressive defense, and now they kind of uh, reinforced it, I would say, uh, with their offseason signings. Um, and then kind of that was at least the free agency side of my criteria. And then my, my third one was their draft. Bring in Justin Herbert at six. He, at the sixth overall, this is who they're going with the quarterback of the future. Um, so you, you kind of have to put all your chips into him. Um, kind of, and having him, having Tyrod Taylor be his mentor, I, I think you can have a lot worse people um, to be a quarterback's mentor. I, I think Tyrod Taylor would definitely teach him a few great things. I think trading up to get Kenneth Murray was a good move. Um, I wanted the Patriots to get Kenneth Murray. Obviously, they didn't, but Kenneth Murray was, I think, was a great pick. Yes, he has some deficiencies in terms of just over-pursuing um, and, not, and, um, think, and not being the best run run defense um, at linebacker, uh, but he is rangy. He is very athletic, very fast, so I, I do like that pick. Um, you know, they did, they did lose Thomas Davis, um, but once again, Thomas Davis is really old. At 37, and I think replacing him with Kenneth Murray, fast ranging linebacker, almost like a Jamie Collins type, um, is helpful. They replaced Melvin Gordon with uh, Joshua Kelly, uh, Joshua Kelly, excuse me, running back from UCLA. Uh, they got Joe Reed at receiver to pair with Keenan Allen. Um, and then the last pick of the night with KJ Hill, um, I think was. Um, I think KJ Hill should have gone one round above where he was picked. Um, so I think they got great value there. Um, kind of just based off my criteria um, and what what I've seen that they've done. And I think the biggest thing is having, you know, cap space two to three years from now. Um, or just having cap space now to help their team, you know, two to three years down the line where my losers – they, they really didn't have that money to kind of help them out in two years, two, three years down the line. I have my chargers as a number two runner. And I also like Joe Reed um, in terms of his potential. Yeah. Okay. I guess the main two differences for my philosophy and your philosophy that have really shown up in these rankings where we've had our differences was first that I just don't see cap space as valuable because the NFL cap rises a solid 10 million every year, which is why you haven't seen, I feel like, 10 years ago or early this this past decade where your teams like the Saints and the Steelers who were always really struggling with that cap space and they had to make a lot of moves where unless you're a team like the Rams and you really overdo it, for the most part, you can live on that edge of the salary cap life and just be okay as long as you don't make any crazy, super drastic moves. So I think that's it. And then future outlook, for, I don't look as far into the future as you, obviously. And I think that matters because... Justin Herbert can develop, but I think this year, and Sammy alluded to it also, that they're probably going to be worse, if not the same. I don't think they're going to be any better this year than they will be next year. That's why I had them my losers. But I, I get where you're coming I from. Think, I, do, I do think they'll be a better team. Uh, I, they have a, a tough division, 
but I, I think that Tyra Taylor um, is a better fit for that offense than Phillip Rivers um, just because he, he's, he doesn't throw the ball away or he doesn't throw as many interceptions. He is much more mobile than Phillip Rivers. So I, I think almost by kind of negating turn, like almost like what the Bucks did, negating all of Jameis Winston's turnovers. Yes, Tom Brady is a much more cerebral and much more intelligent quarterback than Winston. But just being, if you, if the Bucks had Tyrod Taylor as an example, where he wasn't throwing 30 picks, I think the Bucks would have won a few more games. Um, I think everyone can agree with, with that assessment. I think same thing goes with Philip Rivers. He, he, he can tend to lose you a game where Tyrod Taylor won't be the reason why you lose. He won't be the reason why you win, but he's the reason why you're in the game and have a chance. Yeah, uh, I just I don't trust the Chargers. I don't think their roster is good enough to that it, he's going to help them because especially their team that's always pretty much every single year is unlucky. I just I think Taylor's fine. I think like I, said, I think he's a good backup. I don't think he's a great starter. And if you expect him to be yeah, your starter, yeah. then I'm also getting worried about Justin Herbert, who you just spent the sixth overall pick on. It's just, it's a little worried. I think the Chargers are in a precarious position. I, like I said, when Sam was talking about the losers, if Herbert ends up being successful, then we're going to look back on it and kind of say, oh, maybe they were a winner. Right now, I just don't see it. All right, number one. Let's, I want to just kind of, let's get to our number ones. I feel like, like I said, these are clear. I thought the losers, we were definitely more consistent on than the winners. And I think it, I don't know if we're going to have our, our number ones are going to be any similar. Sammy, you want to start us off with your number one? So I want to prelude with my number one by saying that there were two teams that I had in mind for number one. And one of them, there's a reason why they end up not being in my top three. And I just want to say that I originally was considering the Baltimore Ravens to be my number one until I looked back and their offseason moves and who they brought in and who the, who left. And oh, I don't want to beat around the bush. My number one is the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, John. I'm gonna let John go. I have the same one. I want to see. I want to get something different first because we're somehow no, we're variancing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. No. I. I do have the Bengals as a winner. I don't have that as my number one. I have the Dolphins as my number one. Okay, I'm. Um, I'm happy you picked yeah. them. I wanted to talk about the Dolphins. So tell me about the Dolphins. Tell me why you had them number one. They were my honorable mention. I wanted. I was gonna talk about yeah, them if, um, if no one mentioned them. I think they had a fantastic draft. Um, and obviously their off-season signings, um, kind of alluding not only to my criteria, but your guys' criteria as well as free agency as being one of the criteria. Um, not in terms of just who they brought in free agency, they brought in Matt Breida by trade. Um, they brought in Jordan Howard. Uh, so two running backs, I think, complement each other well. Jordan Howard being downhill, uh, one cut. Uh, Matt Breida kind of being a little bit more elusive, much much faster. Brought in a Landon Robert. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they brought in a Landon Roberts. They brought in Kyle Van Noy, uh, two former Patriot players. Obviously, I think I do have uh, some sentimental value there. Uh, but uh, Kyle Van Noy coming with Brian Flores as his head coach, who was his defensive coordinator, knows how to use him. Same with a Landon Roberts. Um, and then they brought in Byron Jones from the Cowboys. Then they drafted, I'm going to butcher his name, so please, uh, <laughs> I, I, please forgive me, Noah. Uh, but Noah Igbino-Hene from Auburn, I think, is a very like Patriot-like 
uh, player, really tough uh, press corner from Auburn that I think was a great pick. But, yeah, um, offseason, fantastic. Uh, going, I think Tua was my favorite quarterback. Um, a lot of people don't like Tua because of his injury concerns. I, I think I think those will subside. Uh, I, do they, I do think they are a red flag, but I do like him at five. He threw nine interceptions his entire college career to 78 touchdown passes. That's absurd. Um, I, I, I like him at five. Uh, they did they did uh, shore up their offensive line in the draft as well with Austin Jackson at tackle. Uh, they did also uh, draft uh, Robert Hunt, um, who I think was – who can play either guard position as well. Um, so I, I think just draft, they did uh, – they, they hit a couple key positions. Uh, free agency, they knocked out of the ballpark. And then my criteria – kind of cap space in like two, three years in the future. They do have $22 million in cap space as well. That's why I have them as my number one winner. My my biggest thing with free agency is teams can win free agency and throw up a dud. The Rams are, are a team to kind of look at when just you're doing all this great free agent signing, uh, but it doesn't pan out. The Browns last offseason kind of winning – Winning in kind of the the offseason signings um, and the offseason, but then it not translating to actual wins and playoff success. So I, I think that just because you do have a great free agency doesn't mean you're going to have a great season per se. But I do think the moves that they make that they made um, were number were for me what made them number one. I also like Brian Flores as a head coach towards the end of the season. The Dolphins really started to kind of pick up and start winning games. So I, I think for all those reasons mentioned, they're my number one winner. Okay. I don't disagree with you much. There's, like I said, they were my most intriguing team in this entire thing where I just, I wasn't sure I could have put them in number one, two or three. I thought about it really for all of them. Cause especially when I started this, I figured they would be, I put them in number four as my honorable mention for a couple of reasons. In free agency, you, they made a lot of great moves. I agree. You didn't even mention they got Shaq Lawson from the Bills because last year we saw that clearly they had the most, they had the weakest roster probably top to bottom in the entire league. <laughs> and they made a lot of moves to just add players and fill out some depth. And I like most of them. They overpaid. I think they spent a lot of money, which is always a little, could be an issue down the line because they definitely are not going to have as much cap space next year. They had a lot going into this year. One signing that I disliked so much was Eric Flowers. I think he's just a, I agree. I think he's just a bad player mm-hmm. and they paying him ten million a year. It just that made no sense to me. That was my biggest miss in the free agency. The rest of the moves I was okay with. That one I just thought was bad. And then the draft, love Tua, love that they picked him. Love that they picked him. I that could have made that's what put them in honestly could have put them in the winner by themselves. And they addressed all their needs basically which is great however i feel like they reached on just about every single pick i thought austin jackson was a reach uh noah it's not it's uh Ig, it's igbenogany that's how that's how you pronounce it i i've been saying it wrong the entire time also and then i heard trey wingo say it during the draft igbenogany <laughs> i thought he's igbenogany i think he's he's a good player 
I didn't see. I thought he was one a little bit of a reach. I saw him as a mid second round guy, and then the fact that they already have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, you say you're spending a thir- first round pick on a third cornerback. I think that's just a little bit not valued. I thought Robert Hunt should have been a third round guy. I thought Raquan Davis was a third round guy. They took both of those in the second round. Brennan Jones wasn't even on my top 100 really board. I liked Solomon Kinley who they took in the fourth round. I liked Curtis Weaver a lot in the fifth round. But I just thought most of their picks they did a lot of reaching on, which although they fit needs, I just thought I could if I'm wrong on all these guys and they end up all being good players, then they're they won this offseason by far. I that's why I could see the argument for them being number one. I just thought they could have done they could have made the same positional picks and done better. That was my only kind of disappointment with them. And then I think just paying Eric Flowers ten million just is not look it doesn't look good no matter how you put it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Eric Flowers. I think I, I don't know how I think them thinking. drafting Blake Ferguson, long snapper, should have made them number one to begin with. Oh, fair enough. I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> Dolphins number one. I'm changing my whole thing. <laughs> All right. So Sammy, we both have the Cincinnati Bengals as number one. Yours I am not surprised with. I was surprised I didn't expect I had had the Bengals as number one. I kind of just did not, when I was looking at these teams, I put them as a winner at first, and then the more I looked at it, and the more I just kind of liked what they did. Tell me, or do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first on why they're number one for you? Um, You can go first. Okay. My big thing that I like, my first move idea, was that they actually made moves in free agency and reinvented their entire defense. Because Cincinnati's a team that's just known to be stringent. They don't like, they like to keep homegrown talent. But the issue is that they had no homegrown talent. Instead of just trying to either just completely just give up on players, they let they left let a bunch of their guys go, which I thought was good. And then they brought in so many new guys. They made a lot of moves. And I liked most of them. Most of them were solid moves that were improvements. They didn't really do a lot of overpays. A couple guys, just to mention who they had, they got DJ Reader from Houston. They got Trey Wentz from Minnesota, Von Bell, Xavier Sulafilo, Mackenzie Alexander, Andrew Billings. Or no, they lost Andrew Billings. Um, yeah, they just they made a lot of moves on the defense to just really overall just give them a better. They gave up Drake Kirkpatrick. They gave up Dark Nard, BJ Webb, just a lot of those bad guys in the secondary. And they made in what I felt were improvements in free agency, which for them is a lot. A lot of those contracts were not bad at all. Sula Field, three-year, $9 million. Mackenzie Alexander, one-year, $4 million. Von Bell, three-year, $18 million. I think all of those are good contracts for them, so that was nice. They made improvements, like I said, to their front four and secondary, specifically in free agency. In the draft, they drafted Joe Burrow, QB of the future. You're set there for now, and you had some already nice talent around him, so I think that was nice. But then they did add... We could argue that they needed a nice third receiver. They got T. Higgins. I like T. Higgins a lot. They got him in the second round. He could be either he's a third receiver now who's probably one of the better third receivers in the league, or if you lose A.J. Green next year, considering they just he's on the franchise tag this year, I think by next year he can be a top-two receiver for a team. I thought that was good. And then in the draft, they made some moves on linebackers, which I liked. They drafted, I believe, two of them. They drafted Logan Wilson, who I thought was fine. And then they got Akeem Davis-Gaither in the fourth round, who I liked a lot. I thought that was a nice pick for them there. And then the seventh round, they got Marcus Bailey. So they really addressed the linebacking core in the draft. So their defense is completely just revamped and probably for the better. 
And then I mentioned Sula Filo as a nice add to that offensive line. I thought that was just a good move for them. They needed to make some nice additions to the offensive line, and I think they did. They added also, yeah, they added him. That was it. I think they made they might have made a trade for somebody else. I do like I like what they did overall with their team. I think they have a nice looking team now. The only thing that I had as a minus is they could have added a tackle in the draft and they didn't. Other than that, I think they did as well as they can to just be a better team because they were obviously very bad last year and this year I expect them to be improvement for both in the short term and in the long term. Yeah, I agree with the free age the moves that they made in the offseason. You knew that you could tell that they were trying to they're trying to build a team for the future. They're not just building one as to are they stuck in the middle of are they just going to win few games or they want to build a team to actually compete and contend in the future. And I think the moves that they made in free agency, especially with having players like DJ Reader and the the steal of a contract for Mackenzie Alexander, I still can't believe they only got him for four million one year. I feel like that was a huge steal. He was he's really good in. Uh, I think he has one of the f- top highest forced incompletion rates in in the league. I want to say, and they got him for four million. Mm-hmm. They completely bad. addressed the defense. Yeah. And then um, we want to look at the draft, and I mean, Evan, you know. Yeah. Joe Burrow, you know. baby. Number one, Joe Burrow, my boy out of LSU. He's going to completely change that culture there. From what I've seen, what he, what he did at LSU, I, he's going to completely change that culture. Even if the first year doesn't pan out to how much we all think a first year is going to be, and he's just adjusting himself to the NFL. He's going to be their quarterback of the future. He is their franchise. He's going to be the face. He's a homegrown talent. He's from Cincinnati. He's not Cincinnati, but he's from Ohio. There's so much you can work with with Burrow and just how much his talent, his story, his everything, and how he'll be able to fit in immediately. But then you look at the other draft picks they made. You mentioned T. Higgins, who we mentioned as like part of maybe the second tier of receivers outside of Judy and Lamb. We mentioned Higgins and Justin Jefferson, possibly Rieger or Mims as that second tier level of receivers. And being able to draft him is unbelievable as he's just a great body to have on that wide receiver core. And like we mentioned, they signed AJ Green, but on a franchise tag. So having him back with Higgins to work with and Tyler Boyd, that's going to be a fun receiving set for Burrow to throw to. And they then I remember I mentioned in one episode about Logan Wilson, the linebacker out of Wyoming. I mentioned him once. I can't remember which episode it was, but I remember that I liked him. I had him not high, but as a mid second round, third, low second round, mid third round type of guy. And the fact that they got him and were still able to get Davis Gaither, I thought was a really good, two really good picks. I thought that, they probably would have gone that in reverse that Davis Gaither would have gone first and then Logan Wilson. Mm-hmm. But still being able to grab both of them, they went from having maybe one of the weakest linebacker core in the, in the league into probably one of the playmaking strongest, just absolute, absolute contending as one to watch out for and to not take lightly in the future. Yeah. I think they're in a great position 
Short term, obviously, they're not going to be. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but they're just going to be much better than last year, which is why I think they're a winner. And then I think long term, I don't think how you can see that they're not a long term winner because they made some of their moves were longer term. Mackenzie Alexander was a one year prove it deal. And if he plays well for them, I think he'll be likely to re sign and maybe a slightly discounted deal if he plays well. I think they're in just really good position all around. I really like, I like, I like the Bengals a lot for this, just this exercise. I thought they were. Not the clear winners, but I thought they oh they just made enough nice moves that deemed the winner. But I also like the Dolphins. I I don't hate. I I actually I like that you put the Dolphins there because, like I said, I considered it and I wanted to talk about them too. Yeah, and and kind of one thing on on Joe on Joe Burrow as well. Uh, it, I I know that Sammy mentioned almost just like a culture change, and you know he's he's a smart kid. I'm pretty sure he graded out as a second best wonderluck. Um, this draft with Jake Fromm being one at 35, I think um, Joe Burrow got a 34 um, in the in the Wonderlock. Uh, so just he's a very cerebral quarterback. I, I think he he he's gonna bring like swag. He's gonna bring smarts to the team. Um, he, he's gonna change the culture of the team itself, and I think that's something that um, that that's great. Um, and then he, he kind of has the, the it factor, you know, that the, the people want to follow him. I think especially at the quarterback position, it's something that's so big uh, where, you know, you have to be a leader. You have to have people want to play for you. Um, and I think I think he has that. Um, all, all reports have been that he's, he was a great teammate at LSU. Um, and I think that's only going to you know translate to the NFL where now he's a grown – He's in, a, in the huddle with grown men. Uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna garner their respect, and I think he's gonna they're definitely gonna have a much better season this year than they did last year. Sammy, I imagine you're smiling from ear to ear right now listening to that. Oh, completely, man. <laughs> I, you know what the actual first thing that I thought of during that in everything that he just said. What? One of the biggest plays that made Joe Burrow the most respected guy on that LSU team when. At times, it looked like he was just going to be another Etling or another Mettenberger on that run of LSU quarterbacks. Was that bowl game against UCF where he took that shot when he threw a pick and he took that shot from behind and he got right back up as if nothing happened to him and he played lights out for the rest of the game. Yeah, he, he and that type of competitiveness is, is unbelievable. He's, he has poise. He has that competitive drive. I, I like we had our arguments about Joe Burrow. I think he, I I think they still made the right pick there. Like I said that when we talked when we did our this or that, it's not the wrong pick for them. But I think I just was, I didn't really think about Zach Taylor and how they'll fit together. I think that'll be a nice fit. Good job, Bengals. I'm proud of you. Probably for the first time in 15 years, you since Carson Palmer draft pick, this is probably the best you've done. We've had what two AFC North teams in our winners, and neither of them are the Ravens or or Steelers. Well, you did. I only had one. You had. I only had one. But yeah, I guess overall, yeah. And I, I think that's just about it. I just want to give a quick shout out to my former team, the New York Jets, who I put them in my loser originally because I thought. I mean, their free agency was bad. I think they might have had the best draft out of everyone. I thought just that every move they made was good. I don't like that. I don't like Beckton. I think I made that clear. I don't like the pick. I'm upset with it. But it was a need. 
it was fine. And then every other pick I thought was great. I thought they were all steals. I thought Action Davis was a steal. Denzel Mims was a steal. Their later on picks. Uh, my boy um, Hall in the fifth round. Bryce Hall, fifth round right? for the New York Jets. Just yeah. over, just so many good yeah. picks by the New York Jets. I They did a great job in the draft. I thought their free agency just wasn't really anything, which is why I originally put them in the losers. I probably would put them in the winners overall, not top three. Because they're just, I don't think this year they're going to be great. But I think they, they Joe Douglas absolutely did a fantastic job with his first draft with the New York Jets. So kudos to the New York Jets for also doing something right. Yeah, I think they had a very good draft. I think Bryce Hall um, next year, I think he's going to, they're probably going to almost like redshirt, put him on uh, um, on IR. Um, and kind of just have him, kind of what they did with, who was the cornerback since you, uh, you might you know the Jets a lot better? He drafted him last year. And he ate towards the end of the season. Yeah, they drafted him, and then late late in the season, he came on really really strong. I can't remember. I, the thing is, I think Hall's good. I had him. In the, I had the second round grade on Bryce Hall. I liked him a lot. I think he. Could, I don't think he's a number one corner year one. I think he's a. He, I think he's a year one starter. I don't think they even need to give him a red shirt. I'm very. I'm much. I'm probably higher than him than the general public. It's just, yeah. It's I mean, just injury concerns. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out. We don't need to go into the Jets too much. I just want – but and then also my prevailing takeaway just overall was that it's easier to be a winner when you – especially – I feel like especially more even with John because he looked at more the long term. When you're a bad team, it's much easier to be a winner. And when you're a good team, it's much easier to become a loser. <laughs> just because it's much yeah. easier to go up and it's hard – like. It's hard to get good guys when you're already good, and when you have bad guys and you let them go, you're likely to get better players. That was just a quick thought, just from this overall exercise. The NFC is fairly similar with that. Where I have a, I have a couple mixed. I have some teams sure that continue, like the Chiefs, where I had them as a winner in both. I had them as my number three winner, and then they were obviously a Super Bowl champion. There are a couple of them, but overall, I felt like. It's easier to be a winner when you're a loser from past year from the past year and when you're a winner this past year, you're a loser this year. All right. Shout out Joe Burrow. Shout out Joe Burrow as always. <laughs> we'll talk about him, I'm sure, plenty more in the upcoming months and years. So I just wanna so John, thank you for coming on. This was fun. It, we took what could have been a one episode pod and we made it into two episodes. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me here, Evan. Uh, nice to meet you, Sammy. Nice meeting you too. Yeah, well, definitely, we're gonna have John on. I have at least one episode that we talk we've talked about previously in mind, so he's gonna come on at least some point in the summer. Maybe we'll try to get him on earlier. And Sammy, of course, thanks for coming on as always. Oh, as always, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to Firmly Grasp It. Please make sure you subscribe and download our episodes. You can listen to us on just about any platform. Rate and review us. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you listen. And thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.